0: It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live.
1: Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you didn't.
2: On Giants.com.
1: You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy
2: dogs. And have some fun. Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmuck, Lance Meadow with you. The phone number is 201-939-4513 or hit us up on Twitter at hashtag GiantsChat or even hashtag BBKL. We just posted the show promo up there. You can just reply to that. We'll keep an eye on that over the course of the program. So we all know about the Giants on Sunday. They fell to the Falcons 17-14, another last second field goal with no time remaining on the clock. To end that game, I think we've been over that game enough. But if you want to call and talk about it, that's fine. We'll try to get to your calls within the next 15 minutes or so. But, Lance, I think a lot of people seem to be interested in maybe some of the underlying reasons for 0-3. And I think you and Paul did a good job of really describing how this could easily be 2-1, if not for one or two plays in each game. But at the same time, that's what the NFL is all about, right? You either make plays or you don't. The teams that make them win, the teams that don't lose— But I think it just shows what a fine line there is here between 2-1 and and 1-2, and where you can point to probably two easy catches in each game, one by Darius Slayton, one by Adory Jackson, that could have turned those. Obviously, good teams can overcome those type of plays. The Giants have not been able to do that so far this year, which is part of the problem, which I think is the point you were making, Paul, yesterday. But I thought today would be a good day to examine some of the underlying issues, so maybe The Giants can get into a situation here, Lance, where they're not dependent on just one play to go their way in order to win these games. And maybe they can do it in a little bit more of a convincing fashion.
1: Well, I think dominance is what everybody strives for in terms of winning comfortably in the NFL. But I would agree with you. And actually, I want to piggyback off of your point. Yeah, please. Because I was actually crunching some numbers the other day, and I tweeted this out. And to me, I think it sells home exactly what you were talking about. It's a larger issue. John, it's not even just the three games this season. The Giants, if you go back to 2018, I was oh, going boy. back You're to see a digging. trend. You're digging. Yeah. Oh, I really was. So three-plus seasons because we're barely into this season. That's a total of 51 games if you go back to the beginning of the 2018 season. Within those 51 games, John, the Giants have played 30 games decided by seven points or less. Okay. OK, I mean, that's more than half right there. And then 16 by three points or less. So that's about a quarter of the games, right? Give or yeah, take. just to give you an mm-hmm. idea. Now, the numbers have gone down each and every season. For example, 2018, the volume was extremely high. They played 12 games decided by seven points or less, seven by three points or less. 2019, the ratio was seven to one. Then 2020, last season, it went up nine games decided by seven points or less, six by three points or less. And now we're just three games into the 2021 season. They've already played two games decided by seven points or less. And then obviously that falls under the category of three points or less. So, I mean, it just goes to show you, this really has been a storyline, John, for the last three plus seasons. And the issue has been regardless of the scheme, regardless of the coach, regardless of the personnel, the inability to consistently finish and close out games. And I'm glad you labeled it where you said, and it's one of my favorite lines, and maybe you're just around me too much, which is not necessarily a good thing. But No,
2: very bad thing,
1: Good actually, teams, yeah. I always say, and I subscribe to this philosophy, good teams overcome bad calls, questionable calls, yep. suspect calls. John, I don't care what you want to label it. And I know fans, sometimes they only look at it through their Giants' lens. But even if you think they're questionable calls and they didn't go the way of the Giants, good teams don't allow games to come down to that. And the Giants, unfortunately, have been plagued by allowing those borderline calls to decide games. And when you do that, more often than not, it's not going to bounce your way.
2: And when you say calls, you don't necessarily mean officiating. You just mean the no, result I of play. No, I mean a, a combination of both in. if Correct. you want yes. to even word no, it that absolutely. way. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I'm going to ask you a question here, Lance. You probably don't have the answer. I'm putting you on the spot. Do you know what the Giants' record is in games that were decided by more than seven points over that period? Did you look at that bandy That chance? I did not look at because
1: okay. my concentration was more of what oh, of was course. occurring in relation to this season. But I'll look it up, and I'll certainly get back to you. Yeah, if you can. No I'm, I'm doing curious that. because my bet yeah.
2: is that their record in those games is probably pretty poor because the games that they've lost— are probably the ones that they've lost by more than seven. I don't remember many games where they've won by more than a score. But do you want to go back to
1: 2018 Uh. as a sample size?
2: Yeah why, what are you looking at? yeah, why not? Yeah,
1: why not? Honestly, whatever's easier for you to do, do it. Don't go nuts. <laughs> How about not that? Not a problem. No, I'm more than happy because yeah. I like trends. I am a, somebody who does enjoy statistics. I, know I don't think it one. tells the yeah. whole story, but I do think it paints a nice picture.
2: All right, so this is what I did here, Lance. This morning, I took about two hours of my morning, and I pushed off my my Saints preview work. I'm going to regret that at around 5 o'clock today when I'm not <laughs> done with it. But I went back, and I looked at some trends here for the Giants. These are trying to figure out. On offense and defense, I know last year, last week we went through some of the basic numbers. I kind of dug a little bit deeper here. And there are some things with this Giants offense, and I want to start there, that I think are improvements, right? For example, they're 13th this year in yards per completion. That's pretty good. That's top half of the league, right? Sure. In explosive plays of 15 yards or more, they're tied for 6th with 22. That's a very good number, right? And you say, all right, well, John, you know, I was, I, I thought maybe they weren't making enough plays down the field. What's the problem here? Well, then I dug a little bit deeper. 20 yard air yards, pass attempts, not even completions, Lance, attempts, only eight, tied for 27th in the league, and then only seven 20 yard pass plays. That's not air yards, that's total yards gained. That's tied for 24th in the league, and that's after finishing next to last in that category last year. So, One other number here on offense, and I'll give my summary that I thought was really interesting. Pro Football Focus does a good job of tracking the amount of yards that are gained after the catch. Okay? So, this year, the Giants are only gaining an average of 3.9 yards after the catch per reception. That's 29th in the league. Last year, it was the same exact number, 3.9. That was 31st in the league. So my conclusion here is that when I watch this Giants aff- offense on tape, they're actually fairly efficient, right? They move the ball. Daniel Jones is, is a career high right now in completion percentage. Um, guys catch a little eight, nine-yard passes, 11, 12-yard passes, even their 17-yard you know, passes on those deep-in cuts. But they don't get enough out of their successful plays. So my point is that they're having successful plays where you're completing the pass, you know, you're getting in the middle of the zone, but you're not getting the big plays on yards after the catch at all. You're not taking enough shots down the field over the course of the game. And I think if you can just incorporate a little bit more of that, this offense could really turn a corner here. Now, it might be a little bit difficult now with Slayton out and Shepard out, or if they're going to be out this week with their hamstrings, we'll see. But to me, that's the thing that's really holding this offense back. Even their offensive line has played better this year. Their, their their pressure rate allowed is down to 19th in the league, just 35%. Last year was over 40%. They were next to last, so they're getting better protection. Jones is playing better. His turnover-worthy plays aren't high. So there's a lot to like. But they're just missing those big chunk plays, whether it's the deep pass 20-plus yards down the field. Again, they've only attempted eight of those this year, which is twenty seventh and tied for 27th in the league. And those catches in that intermediate area or even short area, that turn into a 25, 30, 40-yard game. They're just not getting enough of those chunk plays, which can overcome some of those red zone issues they're having and turn what can otherwise be a rough drive or an offense that maybe isn't in rhythm and clicking in all cylinders against a good defense, you catch that one chunk play, those two chunk plays for 20, 30, 40 yards, it can turn the tide of a whole game. And I don't think they're putting themselves in position enough to make those type of plays as frequently as they need to for this offense to consistently score more points, which is something that we've talked about a lot here.
1: Well, I think one example would be the Daniel Jones touchdown pass to Darius Slayton against Washington, right, when he hits him up the left sideline corner of the end zone and they score from 33 yards out. Then you didn't have to worry about him going down at the 2 and then having to really scramble to get those two additional yards. Because, you know, the one thing that I'll add to what you're saying is even when they've had the explosive plays and they're knocking on the door in the red zone, the inability to finish or the negative play, John, that follows the explosive play, that's also been a killer. And then I think, you know, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but I also remember some explosive plays when it's you know third and 22 and you dump off a screen and then you get the yak yardage, but it's too late, right? Because by that time, you now have to punt or you have to attempt a field goal. So sometimes the plays are there. It's very similar to my point about the penalties that have plagued the Giants. It's not so much the volume, it's the timing. So it's the same thing with these explosive plays. They're coming in flashes, but they're empty, which is to me the point that you're selling because... They're not able to capitalize on them, meaning negative plays follow, or they come when their backs are against the wall and the defense is keeping everybody in front of them, so they're basically enticing the Giants to get some yak yardage, but they know at the end of the day, it's not going to lead to much of anything.
2: Yeah, and I'll just throw a couple of things out there, too. Daniel Jones continues to be very accurate on balls down the field. He only had the one overthrow last game to, to C.J. Board, which went a little bit towards the sideline, but... You know, otherwise, I think they're actually, you know, he's he's actually been pretty good about getting the ball down the field in terms of his accuracy, and I'll say this too. I think part of this has to do with the three defenses they played so far this year, and I think people fail when they talk about this offense to to talk about that enough because Washington, Denver, and um, Atlanta all play a lot of two safeties deep, a lot of umbrella and shell coverage where – their whole goal is to prevent you from making those big plays. So I think that's part of it. But I also think a factor here, Lance, if you're going to – and a lot of teams design their defenses this way right now, now, right? If you're going to make those long 11, 12 plays, methodical drives down the field, that's great. The problem is that when you're operating that way, one, you really need to be a pretty good run team to avoid negative plays. They haven't been a good enough run team in that respect. They're averaging under four yards per carry. And – You also have to avoid those negative plays, which is the point you made previously. Because if you make those negative plays and you're that methodical offense that doesn't make a lot of big plays, it's hard to come out of a second and 18 or a second and 20 off a holding penalty or a couple false starts and get that first down because you're not making those explosive plays down the field.
1: Well, you know what? It's funny. I think last night's game actually once again spells out exactly what you're talking about because if most of our listeners are watching the Eagles-Cowboys game, Philly played two deep safeties, John, throughout the entire game. So basically they were telling Dak, listen, we're not going to give you the long play. Yeah, Run the football. What did Dallas do? They ran the football down the throats of the Eagles. So if we apply this logic to the Giants, and I wholeheartedly agree with you, and I was going to actually get there if you didn't mention it, the Giants haven't made teams pay on the ground. If they're enticing you to run, then you have to then make them pay for that decision. And if teams are not fearing the Giants' run game, they're going to keep the safeties back. They're going to prevent Daniel Jones and company from making the consistent explosive plays until the Giants win the battle in the trenches – and consistently run the ball. We've seen a 41-yard run by Saquon. We've seen a six-yard run. It's not as if they're unable to do it, but they're certainly not doing what the Cowboys did last night, which is you know averaging five, five-and-a-half yards per carry and doing it essentially on every down. And also, by the way, John, here's where you know you're an effective run team. The opposition wants you to run the ball. They know you're going to run the ball, and they still can't do anything about it. The Giants right. have not reached that plateau in terms of philosophy in the game of chess against the defense. And, you know, that's another way that I think you put together long drives and also, most importantly, you finish in the red zone when you're a threat to run the ball.
2: Yeah, and I think the first plateau, Lance, before you can do that, what you talked about, you have to be able to run the ball well when teams are daring you to run it. Yeah. When they say we're only going to put six guys in the box if we're in nickel, we're only going to put seven guys in the box if we're in base and you're in a couple tight ends. You know, it's not like teams are bringing that eighth guy in the box a ton. Right now, So the Giants first have to be able to run the ball in light boxes before you start trying to do it the other way. All right, I want to swap to the defensive side of the ball now, Lance. And, you know, I took a look at a lot of the stuff here, and there's really no, not a whole lot of different stuff going on from last year to this year, which surprised me. But there are two numbers that jumped out at me, okay? One, their pressure rate from last year to this year is almost identical. 30.6% pressure rate this year. Last year, 314 Here's a more interesting stat. The pressure is getting there faster this year. An average time to pressure this year of 2.53 seconds as compared to 2.61 seconds last year. So they're actually getting there quicker. This year, a 31% blitz rate compared to a 28% blitz rate last year. So you look at those three numbers, Lance, and you say, wow, you know they're actually trying to put more pressure on the quarterback this year than last. And yes, and in, a lot of, in some ways they are. Here's the big difference. You know, we talk about sacks not being predictive and being a little bit fluky and being dependent on things out of your control, right? Like how quickly the quarterback's getting rid of the football, for example. Well, last year, the Giants had a 7.1% sack conversion rate, right? I mean, I'm sorry, a 7.1% sack rate, which is number of sacks divided by pass attempts, and a 21.8% pressure conversion to sacker, which means they got sacks on 22% of their pressures. This year, their sack percentage went from 7.1 last year to 4.5 this year, which dropped them from 12th to 21st in the league. And their pressure to sack conversion rate dropped from 21.8% to 13%. So while they're getting the pressure, whether, again, it's other teams getting rid of the ball faster or other outside circumstances, they're not getting home to get those sacks, which can end drives. And much They're like not the, finishing. Correct. Yeah. And much like the Giants offense, that's when I talked about if you're doing those methodical drives down the field, those big plays can, uh, those big negative plays can sink your drives and you have to punt the ball and it's hard to recover. Well, the Giants defense plays a similar philosophy, right? They don't want to allow big plays. They continue to be one of the best teams in the league and not allowing deep passes and big plays down the field. That's the right way to play. But. If you're going to force teams to make those methodical plays down the field, you have to come up with some of those more big plays yourself, whether it's an interception or even a sack, something like that, to put teams in those unfavorable down and distances that force their positions to end. And they have not come up with enough of those big plays to get those stops, especially in those situations we've talked about the last two years, where they're going to pass, you know that they're going to pass, They know that you know that they know that they're going to pass at the end of halves, at the end of games, when this team has not been able to come up with those big plays again, whether it's sacks or interceptions, even pass breakups, to get these teams off the field. And I think that's really been the issue with the defense. And again, looking under the hood, that's the only big difference I'd seen from last year to this year is that their pressures are not turning into sacks as much, and other teams are just being a little bit more efficient With completing their underneath passes, they're throwing a little bit more underneath than they did last year. So not a big difference, but that's what I saw in terms of evaluating the tape and some of the numbers over the first three weeks.
1: I was looking up numbers while you were talking. They had 107 quarterback hits last season in 16 games. So you do the math, that's just under seven a game. They've got 14 in three games thus far. Yes. So even the quarterback hits, the average per game is down as well. And you know, the one similarity, though, that I do see early last season that is now rearing its ugly head again this season, John, if you remember, the defense did not improve over the course of the year. But early last season, what was the biggest problem? The two-minute drill that the opposition was running, they couldn't get off the field before the end of the first half, if you remember. Tons of teams are doing it. Pittsburgh did it. You know, Look at all of those early games from last season. Dallas did it, and they were making the Giants pay. They were putting points on the board. The same thing is happening this season. And then, of course, it's also happening at the end of game. So the common theme is volume hits are great. But when do you get those disruptive plays, too? That's a big part of the equation. You could get those disruptive plays, John. For example, Aziz Ojalari. okay? And he's off to a great start. He's got three sacks at three games. But he had the strip sack of Matt Ryan that was in the first half. Where are those game-changing disruptive plays in the fourth quarter when Washington needs to get into field goal range, yeah. when Atlanta just needs to get into field goal range. Denver was up comfortably, so it doesn't apply. That's what is lacking, very similar to when do the penalties show up. The penalties show up when they're in the red zone or when the defense could get off the field, but then they extend the drive. So it's great that you're showing some flashes, but it's all about timing in the National Football League. And one of the reasons why they're unable to close out games is They can't get off the field because there's no disruptive plays that I've seen in those final few drives for Washington and Atlanta.
2: It's basically the opposite of the Eli Manning effect, right, where everyone complains about, oh, his overall number is this and that, but when the chips are down and you needed it, that's when Eli would come through for you in a lot of ways, and and this team just hasn't found that knack yet on either side of the ball where when the pressure's on, end of the game, offense or defense go down there, Score your point, get your stop, and come away with a win. And by the way, in this last game, it was both sides of the ball, right? The Giants got the ball in a tie game. If they drive down the field, they could make that the final drive of the game, Lance. Kick the game-winning field goal. Atlanta never gets the ball back. And game over. But they failed to do it. Then the defense failed to get a stop. And it's just a confluence of issues. Special well, teams failed to get the ball inside the 20. All those things
1: together, and nobody could put the thing away. Sure, but my counter to you would be, or I should say relation to what you were saying is, well, why couldn't they finish that drive? And then the answer is a negative play, right? Daniel Jones gets sacked on second and 10, and now they go from the Giants 49 to the Giants 40, and then here on third and 19, you dump it off to Saquon, he gets 10 yards back, and that's where we go, okay, you get, and that wasn't a truly explosive play, but it was a nice chunk of yardage, but the nice chunk of yardage simply just gives your punter more flexibility to, you know, work with. That's it. That's all that accomplished. So, they yes, they are in position to close out the game, but the negative play, the timing absolutely stinks and prevents them with an opportunity to close the door on the Atlanta Falcons, they get the ball back and the rest is history.
2: Agree with everything you just said, Lance. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. 939 Hashtag Giants Chat. The Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York State. People who are not fully vaccinated are at greater risk from COVID-19. Protect yourself. Get vaccinated. Visit ny.gov slash get vaccinated or talk to your healthcare provider. Hey, Giant fans, don't miss out on the return of the Giants football. The 2021 season is underway, but there's still time to secure your season tickets and root on your Giants here at MetLife Stadium. We have the Strahan Jersey retirement this year, guys. We have the celebration of Super Bowl 46. A lot more coming down the pike. If you're interested, speak with the Giant ticket rep right now and become a season ticket member. Call 888-NYG-1925. All
1: right, John, before you, I don't mean to cut you off. I got your answer for the lopsided games and the record. So from two thousand eighteen to present day, they've played twenty games decided by more than seven points. Mm-hmm. Their record, as you suspected, three and seventeen. Oh
2: man. I didn't think it was gonna I thought wow, that's worse than I thought it was gonna be. Yep. It's hard, Lance, it's hard to successfully win when you're depending on winning close games. Because you know how it goes in the NFL. Close games can swing either way. Based on a bad call, an unbelievable play, a really bad play, and they swing, and you know they eventually even out to around five hundred, give or take. Usually, sometimes worse, sometimes better, depending on how good of a team you are. But boy, more than seven points, three and seventeen, and that was over what since twenty eighteen, so about three years since the beginning of twenty eighteen. Yeah, so now the, the breakdown wow.
1: was just to give you an idea, there yeah. were four games of that kind in 18, eight of those kind in 19, seven in 2020, and just one this year.
2: And when those wins come, do you have that out of curiosity? When those wins came? Boy, yeah. Really no, nah, that's okay. Don't worry friends. about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. No, I'll get you the answer. I just, <laughs> you always
1: ask the follow ups So I'm no, like, man, I, I wish I took those I notes when I'm I was telling you this I'm stuff. I'm killing you. So.
2: <laughs> I know. All right. Let's go to the phones. By the way, Antonio Manhattan, I hope. That first, he called last week with a good call on the offense. I didn't feel like I gave him a good answer to his question. I hope that talk about the offensive trends gave him a, a little bit of a better answer to his question that he had last week. Are we going in order here, Pearson? Oh, I see the numbers. There we go. Let's go to Scott, in New Mexico. He's up first. Scotty, do. Hi
3: guys, how you doing? Today? What's up, man? Um, you made this was one of my favorite conversations. You really made a valid point from pretty much everything. One of the things that the Giants uh, are getting blamed for is some of the defensive postures they've had. But if you look at the teams that are worse than the Giants defensively,
0: uh,
3: it's Seattle, Kansas City, Washington, Minnesota, Tampa Bay, and Baltimore. So the defense is not as much of a culprit as everybody thinks. So I look um, one statistic, which I don't think you guys mentioned, which I think is a central issue, and one I hope that you guys can address. Right now, the Giants are ranked 30th in red zone efficiency.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. tied with the New York Jets. And that uh, was how it was last season, by the way. Yeah, and Scott,
2: honestly, the only reason I didn't mention that is because I feel like we've talked about that ad nauseum over the past three weeks that everyone's been kind of tired of hearing about the red zone by now, but you're absolutely right.
3: Right, and, and what I'm trying to get at is you have to – I assume you have to – the statistic as to how many times they've been in the red zone. Yeah, they've
1: been, they've been in the, the red zone available. nine times. They have three
3: touchdowns. Okay. Overall, the Giants have scored five touchdowns in three games, offensive touchdowns. Yeah, not enough. That, and that's not going to cut it. We all know that. So is the problem really more from the coaching point of view, the player point of view, or a combination of both? well no, I think
2: it's always a combination of both, Scott. It's always a combination of both. Okay. Uh, So
3: I I asked this question to you a couple of weeks ago, John, how do you fix things and what do you do differently? And so if there's no answers, uh, we can't do things differently because of personnel or whatever. No, no, you didn't say that. I'm saying that we talked about uh, how we, I asked the question, how we fix it. And I'm trying to determine how we do that because once you get to 0 and 5 or 0 and 4, you have no chance of making the playoffs at all. So uh, Dallas is simply getting better, and the Giants are getting further and further behind. So I'd like to see if we can salvage this season. So I'm looking for answers. And the other question I have, and I'll take this one off the air, you drafted Gadarius Tony as your number one draft choice, and he played, I think, three downs in the game or four downs, I'm not sure, in the game against uh, the last game that we played. No,
2: against Atlanta he played like 67% of the snaps. Oh, he did. Yeah. Uh-huh. Why isn't he more of the offense, uh,
3: especially now that you're going to have the injuries to your top receivers? Why is Why is he a little bit further along? Well, than Scott, he is right it's, it's now? because
2: he basically had three practices since he was drafted before the season started. He practiced okay, literally three times. And he dealt with COVID
1: too. Yeah, and a hamstring okay. injury.
2: But look, but now it's 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 happening now. Like I know fans okay. have been hankering for it. Guess what? It's coming. With, it's with gotta these, happen. Right? It it has to. <laughs> no well it left. has
1: to with these other wide receivers hurt. I mean <laughs> when else would be the time.
3: <laughs> right. And why and will he be
1: used in both kick
3: return and potential punt return? Because we've been raving about how good he is in both. And we haven't seen him. And I'd like to know why that hasn't happened, and uh, and when we can we expect that there'll be changes from a schematic point of view when they do get into the red zone, so that they can score a little bit more than they're doing that. And I'll take your answer, off from you Guys, thanks again.
2: Thank you, Scott. I don't think we've gotten a super clear answer, Lance, as to why he's not doing kicks and punts, other than that they haven't seen him there enough yet in practice to trust him to do it. Um, but we haven't really gotten, I think, I don't think, a super clear answer on that. Please feel free to correct me if you've heard something that I haven't. But I haven't gotten a, a definitive answer on that. Have you?
1: No, because I mean, pretty much every time Thomas McGee he has been asked, they said, you know, right now they're exploring their options right. and it could be coming, but nothing definitive as to why he hasn't been utilized. Now I know the return game wasn't immense in terms of production this past game but my response over the first two games was I really didn't think Board and Pepper's hurt the Giants no, in terms of the return game no. So, you know, I think that was another reason why you wouldn't necessarily throw Tony in for the sake of throwing him in if you're pretty content with what you got. Now, if you're looking for a spark, I think now would be the time to perhaps explore. However, let me throw this out, And John. by the way,
2: Len, didn't Ku kick it out of the end zone every kickoff in that game? Did well, they that's they why I was bringing return? up the numbers.
1: Yeah, they only had one kickoff return in this last game. That was it. You had C.J. Board returned one for six yards, and there were two punt returns. So you only had one kickoff return. The volume... The opportunity wasn't there for Tony, even if you had him out there on the field. You have to look at it from that standpoint. So, I mean, that's a great point. The question that I wanted to throw out is if they're moving him along slowly and now all of a sudden, and we don't have anything definitively because they have yet to practice this week. Let's say, I'm just throwing out a hypothetical. Let's say Shepard and Slayton can't go this week. And now Tony's going to play even more a prevalent role on offense. Do you you want want to now expose him on special teams?
2: Even expose, do you want him focusing his attention on two different things? Exactly. Now, you know,
1: my my philosophy, John, I didn't mean to cut you off. My philosophy is I come from the Antonio Brown school of thought, the way they played him with the Steelers. You throw your best weapons out there regardless. I never fear injury. But this is a rookie okay who's barely gotten a taste of the NFL and you want to be careful with how much you put on his plate so it's a little bit different than having a veteran back there who's been in the NFL for a few yeah
2: years. i don't i don't worry about the injury stuff either we've had that conversation on the show many times but i do think there's something to all right let him if he's going if we need him on offense right for 80% of the snaps whatever it's going to be do you want him focusing his film work, and study during the week on more than just the offense. You know what I mean? And I, yeah. and, I, and I think that's a legitimate question to ask. As for his other questions, Scott, very quickly I want to get to the other two calls before we, um, before we lose them. You know, in terms of the changes they can make, Lance, I think we talked about it, especially against the Saints. I talked about the first three defenses here, playing a lot of two deep safeties and playing a lot of zone and forcing you to go underneath. Well, guess what? Saints ain't that. The Saints play single high, cover one man, I think the fifth most in the league. They are going to press you, they are going to blitz you, and there should be opportunities for big plays. So to me, if the Giants want to go in there and beat New Orleans this week, they are going to have to go over the top more and going to have to make some big plays. So I do think that's going to be a big part of the game this week.
1: But as far as finishing in the red zone, because even if you get those big plays, John, and what happens if you get tackled at the five? Oh, well, don't still get means- tackled
2: at the five, Lance. Get into well, the end zone. <laughs> in an ideal world, of
1: course, you don't want to get tackled at the five. Sometimes, though, the defender doesn't cooperate. I understand. Okay? So, you know, as far as what they can do, I don't think it's so much as, you know, you got to bring in new personnel. It's a matter of, I think, more chances in the end zone, meaning throw the ball into the end zone. That would be number one meaning give your playmakers an opportunity to maybe jump up, get the ball. But number two, they're killing themselves with these negative plays. And and to me, that's not a personnel change. That's a mental thing. You can't get the false starts. You can't afford to get the negative runs. Especially
2: in the red zone.
1: Yeah, in the red zone. Because then all of a sudden, your options in terms of what you wanted to run, John, from the five-yard line, if you get backed up to the fifteen. Jason Garrett now, he's gonna be limited in terms of running the football under those circumstances. Do you know how
2: hard it is to score on second and fifteen second and goal from the fifteen? With that with that limited space?
1: It's really, really hard. It's really hard. So, I mean that to me is the big killer. And I know it's simplistic, but Sometimes it's just a simplistic answer. We don't have to make it more convoluted than it needs to be. They need to avoid the negative plays. And when you get to the five, you should be able to run three or four plays from the five and not run one play from the five and then run the other three from the 15. Okay? Okay, It defeats the purpose of being in the red zone. All right. Let's go back to
2: the phones. One other thing I want to
1: throw out. I know we're making a trend. Mm -hmm. I got your answer, and I think it's a very interesting conclusion. The three double-digit wins they've had since 2018 – have all come within the division, number one. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Two of them are against Washington. Okay. And as far as timing, two came from week 10 or later, only one week four. Interesting. And what years were they? 2018, week 14, they beat Washington 40-16. to Okay. 2019 was week four, 24-3. If memory serves me correct, that was Dwayne Haskins. Remember coming in, oh, late in that yeah, game? That was a disaster. Ugly uh-huh. game. And then... Last year, Week 10 against Philly, when Carson Wentz had a rough go, and that was the MetLife Stadium game, the second matchup with the Eagles.
2: Oh, that was more than seven. I forgot
1: about that. Okay. Yeah, that was good a ten-point win. And what, what
2: was the weather like during those games? <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't don't job, press my see. buttons, Pearson. Good job, <laughs> Pearson. That's very good. Would you like to know which direction the jet stream is <laughs> yeah, coming I from? I'll, I'll look into that. Oh, that would be great.
2: Let's go to Chris in New York. He's up next. And then Angelo from Dallas. Europe after Chris. Chris, what's up?
4: Hey, how's it going, guys? How you doing?
2: We're great. What's up, doing Chris?
4: I just wanted to give some optimism. It's like the, everybody's, everybody's like they think the world's going to end. We spend three games and we should be two and one. I just think that, that, that we have way too much talent on this team. Hey, we shouldn't be 0-3. First of all, we should, be two, we should be two and one. Oh, wait a minute. Hey, I wanted to shout out to Fiegels and uh, David Deal. I miss them every time I call. You guys are awesome. I love
2: you guys for the chips. Okay, but, I pass it on, Chris.
4: <laughs> but I, I just think everybody's our our entire offense. You know, they didn't play together through the preseason. I everybody keeps grilling me. My family and friends keep texting me. You know, and I keep telling them, week four. If we if we're losing, if we're continuing to lose after week four, then we got problems. No, look, Chris, you're right. Our,
2: it's not like they've been blown out for three straight games here. There's reasons to think you can turn it around, but. The record is what it is, right? 0-3 is 0-3, and do the math over history. 0-3 is not great portends for making a playoff run. So I understand why fans are freaking out, why fans are upset. It's a tough schedule coming up. I get all that, but your overall point is correct. They've been in these games, and just one or two plays here or there – this team's tied for first place with Dallas in 2-1, and, and the conversation this week is completely different. You're absolutely right about
1: well, that. Well, and that's the fine line you walk yeah, in the NFL for sure. in, in terms of the wins and the losses. As far as your point about, well, they didn't play a lot in the preseason, Chris, I get where you're coming from, and if we were having this conversation after week one, I think it holds a little bit more substance in yeah. water.
2: I don't want to hear that anymore. Yeah, Once you
1: get it. three games into the season, my counter yeah. to what you're talking about, Chris, would be, well, then how do you explain what the Rams are doing with a brand-new quarterback and Sean McVay doesn't how about play the Panthers? his guys? The Panthers, Panthers. that was going to be my next example with Sam Darnold, brand-new quarterback. So there's a few other teams. They're three games into the season. They're undefeated. They're playing really good football. So that's why I'm really not buying that once we get three games into the season.
4: Yeah, they're ran by Matt Rule. You know, they have have a different – we're run by Joe Joe Judge. (laughs) It's, you know – our, uh we're specific we're specific to his style, to his style of football you know they made gel better over there in in uh carolina but the we it took us 8 weeks 8 weeks last year to get going you know and we started playing better i yeah, but that I was really also
1: because like... you had brand-new schemes, though, Chris. Everybody was yeah, brand-new yeah. last year. And,
2: and, and you can't just yeah, say every year, oh, well, yeah. co- Coming week, we'll yeah. start playing well. You know what? If that, if, that, if that's going to be your strategy, you're never going to make the playoffs, ever. <laughs> of course not. You're well, going to get yourself in a good, large you gotta hole. Get Bar- yeah.
4: <laughs> you got to get Barkley's legs back. You know, he's growing, seems to be improving every week. That guy is lethal. I don't know why Garrett doesn't run him on wheel routes. He is a perfect wheel route back. Got great hands, even though he's dropped three passes this season. But still, I never see him on a wheel route. A wheel route would be lethal with that
0: guy.
2: Well, I mean, remember, Garrett's only had him, and and Chris, thanks for going to make sure you get to our next guy here. Garrett's only had him for four games. (laughs) I mean, five games, pardon me. Um, And he has run a couple wheel routes over the course of that. You know, he hasn't maybe gotten thrown the ball, you know, every time he's run it. But he has been run on those routes. And again, again, zone those wheel routes aren't quite as effective because you're not getting man-to-man against you. So just something to keep in mind. Well, and
1: they've gotten the ball to him, John, out in open space on some yeah. screens, mm-hmm. but then it's a matter of him following the blocking and try to maximize, you know, where he could go with the football. And
2: offensive linemen not going sure. downfield illegally.
1: Yes, well, that would help as well. They've had that <laughs> against them twice already this season. Two zero
2: one Let's go to Angelo down in Dallas. Angelo, we'll see you in a couple weeks, buddy. What's going on?
5: Hey, nothing much, nothing much. Yep. Um, just giving a call. A couple things. One, Ashley will be at the Saints game uh, coming up. Oh, very game, good. So hopefully, um, I can uh, see those games there and pull out some wins. But um, a few points here. You know, it's interesting how you know Dave Gettleman, and his name is thrown out for you know firing now, what have you. And I'm not. You know, I don't make the decisions. I don't know. But I mean, I can tell that he's trying to change the offensive line. I'm not sure how this year wide and door offensive line has happened in the last two years under DG. I mean, he's he's trying to bring people in. Now, whether the scouting pork has been good, mix or the coaching has not been there for them, what have you, but it seems like he is trying to do it. People clamoring for, you know, consistency on the quarterback position last year. They got a 3 Jackson. they clamoring for a big receiver. They got, you know, what was available on the market. Maybe they're overpaid, but, it's like, the attempts have been there to bring in good quality players and or what's been available on the market at what the market's dictating the price should be. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But he get, but he gets rammed. He gets rammed for that. Same as Jason Garrett. And I'm actually was kind of on board with letting him go, but at the same time, I wanted him because we seeing the fruition now of Daniel Jones grasping the offense, changing plays, even giving uh, Slayton a play, a, a route on his own on a touchdown score. So I think we're seeing the fruition of. A second year in a system and not changing the system on DJ for a fourth quarter. And Angel, year. I'm going to throw one.
2: And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for interrupting. And, and I'll let you finish. I just want to add something into the point that you're making because I think it's a good one. The one other thing that Jason Garrett has helped do, he's 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 very quietly he's kind of solved Daniel Jones's turnover problem. I know people don't want to talk yeah. about it. I know he's had a couple fumbles this year. Do you know Jason? Did you know that what? Daniel Jones has thrown one interception in his last nine games? He's thrown one interception in his last nine games. And do you want to know what that interception was? A ball that hit Evan Ingram in the face, bounced in the air, and went to a Dallas Cowboy. So he has cut down on his picks big time. And you you have to give some credit to Jason Garrett for that.
5: And and I agree. But now, do you think that that is now prohibiting some of the... uh, Uh, 50-50 balls or some taking a chance. That's a good question. Do do you think that's holding them back also? No, they give and
1: take to that. Yeah, Yeah.
2: Angel, I think that's a great question, and I think maybe that's part of it. Maybe now since Daniel's gotten more used to the offense and he's gotten more careful with the ball and he's developed that skill a little, little bit, maybe you can take the reins off a little bit now and let him go and say, you know what, we'll live with a couple mistakes if it means a couple more big plays. That's a balance that you have to find. I think that's a good point.
5: Yeah, and the last point is that the good news is that we haven't heard Andrew Thomas' name here
2: lately. Oh, That's and exactly. for good reason, because he's not giving up sacks. Right.
5: Thanks, guys. Take the rest offline.
2: Thank you, Angelo. And, and I actually didn't get to the offensive line, Lance, but uh feel free to comment any of those things that, that Angelo said there.
1: Well, I mean they have given up some sacks. I don't think it's necessarily always because of the fact that the offensive line breaks down. Sometimes Daniel holding on to the football, mixed results with respect to that. But yeah, it's always a good news. When you're not talking about a specific young offensive lineman, especially since, oh, by the way, Andrew Thomas is now playing next to a new left guard. Yep. Okay, let's not forget about that. What well, was one of the things we talked about this offseason? Could this be the year that he finally has stability next to him? And he didn't have that luxury because Shane Lemieux is already hurt in IR, and we don't know if he'll return. And then Nick Gates is down. So, you know, you got a new guy to the left of you, to the right of you, excuse me, and then he's got a new guy next to him at the center position. So there's a lot of movable pieces. There's every excuse. In the book, for Andrew Thomas to be struggling in the early stages of the season, and that has not necessarily been something that we've been talking about through the first three games. So that obviously is a positive. Yeah, Andrew
2: Thomas has played well this year. Uh, look, I realize he, you know, he he avoided Bradley Chubb in Week One, but he had to deal with Montez Sweat and Chase Dunn in Week Two, and Dante Fowler. I didn't actually look at how many times he was over left tackle and right tackle in the last game. off the to well, check Well, Fowler, that. I
1: believe got the sack when Solder was on him.
2: Yes, I'm just yeah. not. I'm just not sure how many times. Fowler lined up against um, Solder as opposed to Andrew Thomas. I can look that up. But if you look at Andrew Thomas's numbers, they're right in line with what Jedrick Rose is doing, with what Tristan Wirfs is doing, uh, the other two rookies from his class. So I think they're pretty happy that Andrew Thomas seems to be carrying over what he did at the end of last year into 2021. So I think that's a good sign. Um, Solder has been, you know, he's given up some sacks, but he hasn't been a disaster. You know, you lose Nick Gates, which is a killer. You lose Shane Lemieux, which is a killer. Ben Bredesen has, has had some rough moments here or there. I think Price has been okay. So I think for the most part, Lance, I think the offensive line, and we've said this all year, has not prohibited this offense from functioning, which is all we kind of asked for. It. I think we'd like to see a little bit of room in the run game, but I think the pass protection has been adequate enough to allow this offense to function.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you there, and I would also say that, you know, adequate enough to run the ball a little bit more effectively, considering, yes, I understand that there's been some movable pieces on the offensive line comparison to last season, but, you know, you still have some staples from last year, and you're not asking the Giants to average five yards a carry, but I think you'd like to see some better production, or let me put it this way, you'd like to see, John, the elimination of the negative runs. That, to me, I think would be a step in the right direction. nobody's saying that they got to get six yards per carry, but eliminate the negative run. So, for example, over the last two games, they've had 11 runs for no gain or negative yards. Oh, is
2: that true? Has it really been that many? Well, because I
1: chart every single negative run. I know
2: you do. That's impressive. Yeah, Yeah. so they've had 11.
1: Yeah. That's a lot. That is a lot. And when you also look in comparison to how many times you've run the football, okay, when we're talking about, They've run the ball 55 times, and 11 times you've had negative or no gain. Now I'm not saying that's half the runs, but it's still a nice chunk of your runs. No, okay? it's too many. It's too many. Yeah, it's too many. I mean, you just, you can't afford to have that. So when I look at the run blocking, I'm not asking them to open up huge holes for Saquon to get 20 yard runs, but I'm asking them eliminate the negative and the no-gain run, so that you're at least getting one, two runs to make the third down when you get there a little bit more manageable. I think that will go a long way.
2: 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Hey, Giants fans, taking all the action of Giants football from your very own private suite. Giants suites are a great way to entertain your family and friends while rooting on your Giants right here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with the Giants suite representative now by calling 888-NYG-1925. Is it Brandon in New Jersey? That's next, Pearson. Let's go to Brandon. What's up, buddy? Brandon going once. Brandon going twice. All right, we'll get back to Brandon. Give us a call back. Brandon, I'll get you right up. Let's go to Russell in Staten Island. He's up next. Hey, Russ. Hey, guys. How you doing? What's going on? Um, right. I just
6: want to start off by saying um, congratulations to uh, Mr. Jeff Eagles for getting nominated for the Hall of Fame. Um, even though he pronounced my name wrong, <laughs> um, I called in last week. And he called me Marco.
2: I just wanted to clarify that. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> he he but, you know, Russ, Russ, and Russ, by the way, if you listen to the show, you know Jeff Fiegel's strength is not the names. So don't oh, take yeah. offense to that.
6: <laughs> um, definitely not. Um, I just wanted to say a couple of comments real quick. Um, i was trying not to be negative. You know, that's, that's my thing. Um, try to look at some positives, some bright spots. Um, I remember my first time calling up. I called in really excited. I said um, I was excited, you know, for the first time in about seven years. And, uh, you know, it's kind of falling off a little bit. They, they really are kind of playing really uh, bad football right now. But one of the bright spots, one of the things I was happy about was the Ojalary pick at number 50. I would have been fine taking him at 11. I thought he was a really good player coming out, and I was happy with that pick. And I think it seems to be getting discounted now because we're a losing football team. That this man has three sacks in three games, the first Giants player to do that ever, you know, for the start of his career, um, and the first non-Giants player, I believe, since Miles Garrett did it in 2017. I mean, no, he's been good. I just feel this. I just feel, yeah, I just feel this should be talked about a little more. I believe um, PFF today graded him for 92. point Something, I believe today. Yeah, I think he was and, their
2: second or third highest graded defensive
1: player this week.
6: Yeah, and he's also been
1: effective against the run, too, which has helped.
6: Right, and I was just going to bring that up, too, Lance. You know, I mean, I feel like that's one of the bright points of our defense that's not being talked about, you know, because this is what we wanted in the draft. Pass rush was one of our biggest weaknesses, and I think he's filling in, doing a great job. I mean, not taking anything away from Lorenzo Carter or O'Shane Zimenez, but I just feel like Ojolari is doing what we expected, them to be you know barring you know not getting injured or anything but i think he's really blowing up nobody seems to really be talking about it
1: well i think the reason why a lot of people are not talking about it is because the defense overall has struggled to make stops in crucial moments so it's hard to put that aside and then say oh well, well by the way you know he's got three sacks at three games i don't disagree with you i think ojalari deserves individual credit And he actually spoke to the media on Monday after the game. He was one of the players that had an opportunity to be asked about his impressive play. you want to see him continue to build off of that. I mean, I think that's an extreme positive. I think right now, though, the Giants want to see not just one guy do that consistently. They want to see more of a group effort. And you brought up Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zimenez. You know, those are the true individuals that I think you expected to see a little bit more out of in the first three games. I know they're both coming off of injuries, but, you know, it's getting up there in terms of the rookie contract. You want to see them show their development. I think if that was in conjunction with O'Jalari, I think there'd be a lot more promise and a lot more optimism in terms of what this pass rush could do.
6: Lance, I totally agree with that. I mean, I'm just saying that, you know, it just seems like give the man a, a little bit of credit, you know, for stepping in, being a rookie. Me, when I look at him, what I like, I don't see him making the same mistake. I could be wrong about that because I don't see him every single play. But, for instance, the first game, um, the rough in the... um quarterback the rough roughing the passer penalty i think he learned from that because the next time he went in got another hit on the quarterback he didn't go for the head you know the melvin gordon run it looked like he was out of position you know it looks like he's just improving every week to me. and i just want to say that's one of the strong points for me still having some optimism for the giants this season for this defense that we all expected to be you know top 10 again and i think he's really balling out and um just real quick and i'll take it off the air um I think Kadarius Tony, like that little that little juke he did, you know, I, I kind of see the stop on the dime in him, and I hope we could utilize him a little more, kind of how like the Falcons were utilizing that guy against us. Uh, what's his name? Patterson, I yeah, think. Yeah,
1: Cordero Patterson.
6: Yeah. I, I see us using Kadarius Tony that way, and thanks for taking my calls, guys, and I appreciate it. Love the show.
2: Yeah, look, I, I think that's a good example to use. I think that's a guy you talk about, Debo Samuel's a guy you talk about, Lance. In terms of different ways you can use him, and again, we'll see about Shepard and Slain, but we could see that role expand a lot here coming up in week number four.
1: I think the biggest difference, though, with Patterson is I think he's a little bit bigger in terms of the frame. So I think that's why Atlanta is able to give him X amount of carries. I don't think Tony is built the same way that you'd utilize him as much out of the backfield. Now, you could use him out of the backfield. I just think you got to pick your moments and not necessarily do it as much volume as Patterson
2: gets. Yeah, I don't think you're pounding in between the tackles like you would with Patterson. I'm with, yeah, 100% agree. In terms of Ojolari, look, in the last two drafts, they were trying to find a pass rusher and an offensive tackle. It looks like they have an offensive tackle in Andrew Thomas was see how good he's going to be. And it looks like, at least in three games, that they might have found the promising pass rusher in Ojolari. So, yes, those are, those are definitely positives, and those are positives you have to take out of this, Lance, moving forward.
1: What do we talk about? We talk about the fact that the Giants were in this position because they've had a number of years where the draft picks didn't come to fruition. So, how do you then fill up those voids. Well, you go back to the draft board and you have these young guys come in and make an impact. And that's exactly what O'Jalari is doing. Everybody hopes that you get three or four guys in every draft class that could do that. So I don't think anyone should ever complain when a second round pick comes in and immediately first three games make his presence felt. So it's a huge positive. There's no doubt about it. But once again, the positive to me only goes so far because I think the excitement would be more if that translated to finishing a game. And O'Jalari's only one guy, I get it. But the reason why, to get back to the last caller's point, well, why isn't he getting enough credit? It's because that alone is not translating to a win. I think if they're winning in conjunction with O'Jalari's play, then I think the individual reaps the rewards as a result.
2: 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Yeah, at 0-3, fans just don't like to hear, like, oh, this guy's doing well. They're like, exactly. well, who cares? They're losing. Yeah. But you're right. That's our job here to look past the record. And no, Cole's absolutely right. Thomas has been a strong suit, has been a strong point. Ojalari's been a strong point. They just have been overshadowed by the fact that they have been able to come away with some wins in these games. All right, Brandon in New Jersey's back. Brandon, sorry for taking us long to get to you, man. What's going on?
7: Hey, what's going on, man? Well, what's up? Look, well, I, I don't agree that we have a pass rush because, let's be serious. I'm going to get back to the coaching stats as well because that's what I really call for. But they're not going to resign Lorenzo Carter. And and O'Shane is not getting another contract neither. So we're going to need another pass rusher in the draft next year. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Maybe,
1: I don't think anyone disagrees and, with that.
7: And maybe a, a tackle as well. And I feel as though that you was kind of wrong, too, on the Nate Soldier thing because he's been a disaster. I feel as though, why don't we just put Pert in there? He, what, can he be any worse? Yes. Nate Soldier, he, yes, he, he, he average. We don't know that. We don't oh. know that. Look at Nate Soldier. Man. No, no, you asked,
2: you asked, if, no, time out, Brandon. You asked, is it possible for him to be worse? My answer is yes. It is possible for him to be worse.
7: Okay, it is possible, but we don't know if he
2: is going to be worse. Well, then
1: let because me ask Nate you this, Brandon. Soldier, why did didn't the, Matt
7: Pert Brandon, if point? Matt
1: Paert is going to be as effective, why didn't he beat out Nate Soldier for the starting job?
7: That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good question. That's something that we need to take up with the coaching staff and not get him prepared.
1: Well, to, well, wait a minute. Hold on. So we're to, not going to hold the player response? It's all on the coaches? I so mean, the player you, didn't have every opportunity to win that team. job all throughout training camp oh, in the preseason? Come on, guys. Come on. No, no, you no, no, no. Brandon. Soledad, he, he Brandon, been...
2: Matt Parrott took he, starting snaps for four weeks. Yeah. They didn't make Nate Solder the starter until after the last preseason game.
7: Well, obviously they seen something that Matt Pert wasn't ready. But with three weeks into the season now, you shouldn't. Have, it's enough time to get him ready to the point where he can overtake Nate Soldier. He's averaging a home and play on each of these last three games. He's been a big part of the reason of why we've been getting backed up. Don't just bring it on the, the left guard and the center, and don't throw Nate Soldier no, in as Sol- well. He's been a big part of that as well. So- Soldier has and given up a number of pressures
2: up. and sacks. I do not disagree with that. That's fair.
7: Okay, so let's get to the point of the coaching side. I feel like Joe Judge is my man. Don't get me wrong. But he's been too conservative this season. I feel like on that fourth and nine, he should not have – listen, I'm going to live and die with this guy. I'm going to go for it on that fourth down. We're in the middle of the field anyway. You mean
2: fourth and four? You mean fourth and four?
7: Fourth and four. I would have went for it on that fourth and nine as well. Because, look, even the Chargers went for it on fourth and nine on Sunday with the Chiefs, and they converted it. You can't play scared in this league, man. You want to be too, so conservative to the point where you're going to turn your plays off because you're going to look like like you don't have no killer instinct. Like, and I don't understand why Joe Jones has been this conservative this season. It's, it's like it's hard to watch when he should be going for it and he's punting the ball fourth and three. He's not letting Daniel Jones cut him up the whole game. So you're not going to trust him on fourth and three? That doesn't make sense to me. Something is wrong there. And Jason Garrett, man, this guy, man, hes he, I can't blame this whole on him because I feel as though Joe Judge had the the, 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 uh, the authority to overturn whatever he's calling anyway. So he's letting it fly with everything that he's doing. But he, he's a problem as well. But Joe Judge, I feel as though at my heart that he lost these two past games being the, being the fact that he's been too conservative these last two games when he should have been going for it and punting the ball. And that's that's pretty much all I've got. Well,
1: all as right, far as... Thank
2: you for the call, buddy. Yeah,
1: and appreciate the call. Uh, you know, we talked about this on the post-game show on the Giants Radio Network. I am going to reemphasize what I said there. It was a 7-6 game. I understand Gano's got a leg, but the Falcons at that point had only scored when they got the ball to start a drive in Giants' territory. And Joe Judge, John, was asked about this actually yesterday too when he spoke to the media. I I
2: actually have the quote here if you want me to read it real quick.
1: Sure, read the quote. Here we go. Absolutely.
2: Here's the quote. Um, In terms of that fourth and four, and we punted the ball down there, it was simple. I wanted to make sure we maintained the field position at that point. Did I want to be aggressive and go for it on offense? Yeah. There's an opportunity to go ahead and push it. But then in terms of knowing the flow of the game and how your defense at that point is playing, I had confidence to go ahead and put those guys down there inside their 10-yard line, and we ended up putting them down there inside the five. Then play to your defense. At that point in the game, not only was it field position, there was a strong wind blowing into that end zone. So even if you have to punt coming out of that end zone, which is what they forced, we had had to do that in the first half. You're not going to get much for the coverage game. You're almost in short of playing on a short field if you can go ahead and hold them on defense. My thought process on that fourth down was to go ahead, make sure we maintain the field position, and give ourselves an opportunity to get seven off of that, which means you would stop them, they would punt the ball back to you, and then you go down and score. The problem, Lance, is that the defense gave a couple of first downs, which eliminated that field position advantage.
1: Yeah, exactly. But... Once again, I'm looking at it from the time in which the game was. Of course. And that's why I would agree with Judge's decision because Falcons have not shown at that point that they could march down the field and go 75 to 80 yards. That didn't happen until the fourth quarter. Up until then, the Giants defense pretty much, the only way that the Falcons were going to score was if you gave them a gift. And you did. You gave them a gift where they started at the Giants 44-yard line. So... I really don't think that's the reason why they lost the game. As far as the callers, and, other points— And point, by the
2: way, there's a chance, lens they don't convert that fourth and four.
1: You know, it's And then like, you yeah, give yeah, another correct. gift to Atlanta, which right. was another point that I had raised on the post-game show. Exactly. So now you're basically going to give Atlanta another scoring opportunity because you're shortening the field in half. Why would you want to give gifts to an offense that was struggling for the majority of the game? I just—I don't get that.
2: Yeah. Look, I just— uh, real quick, Lance, before you make your next point, I'm I'm always generally, if you're on the the plus side of the 50 and it's fourth and reasonable, I'm always one generally that will tend to go for it. That's just my approach. But in that situation, and I think Joe just quote there, the important part was given the game flow, the flow of that game, I think you understand why he decided to do what he
1: did. Anyway, go ahead. Well, the second point I also wanted to bring up was the caller brought up the Chargers and the fact that Brandon Staley decided to go for it. Number one, you're going up against Kansas City. One of the best offenses in the NFL, okay? Not the Atlanta Falcons. Number two, do not compare the Chargers' offensive personnel to the Giants in terms of the level of execution right now, okay? They're not on the same stratosphere. So, I mean, these comparisons are ridiculous. I don't want to hear what other teams are doing when those coaches are making those decisions based on a different opponent and also a completely different set of personnel. It's just, it's not a realistic comparison. The other thing I wanted to mention was, I don't know, do you know the down that he was referencing the last call, of the 4th and 9 when I'm, that I'm, I'm was thinking, occurring? I'm
2: thinking the 4th and 9. Is that on the very
1: the, last possession we're talking
2: about when they're at midfield? I was thinking that was the previous game he was talking about, but they, they were in a 4th and 9 at, at the 50-yard 50. 50 line. Yeah, yeah, I when went not, Riley I, Dixon yeah. punted it out of play and then the
1: Falcons took over. I don't see how you can go for it How can you do that? John, no, there's I a don't. minute 58 no, left in this game. Yeah, if it, you, if you, you don't convert, you lose. you're giving the Falcons the ball at midfield and all they need is a field goal. Oh no, you lose. If you don't Convert that. You I don't lose. understand that. Makes absolutely no sense. No, nah,
2: yeah, that, yeah, that. I yeah. don't think. I don't think that's even a debate. To be honest with you. Well, I'm only bringing it up because
1: the caller raised oh, it. Oh, so no, absolutely. That's why I'm trying to interpret. That. Oh no,
2: and I'm absolutely yeah. agreeing with you. I don't think that's even a question there. And and I know all the EPA models say on the fourth and four you should go for it. I get all that, but again, I don't think that encompasses all of the the game factors. To your point, Lance, the personnel, the opponent, all that stuff. And yeah, that fourth and nine. I don't think any of us were thinking about no, not that, at all. that the Giants would go for it there. Anyway, 201-939-4513. Let's squeeze in one more caller before we say goodbye and say what's up to— Oh, boy. Hi, Charlie. <laughs> hey, John. Hey, Lance.
0: Hey, uh, John, i got to take exception to something you said about <sighs> do you Andy not, Jones. but anyway. Okay.
2: Shocking. Go ahead. He's
0: fumbled, he's fumbled three times in three games. Okay. One's on that's a snap, one Charlie. One, one is on fumble. a snap. That's, right. that's not matter. a legitimate fumble, and
2: you know it. Oh, that no? is a freak well, he thing.
0: Should've, he should have had it. That's three. So if you do that every game, that's seventeen fumbles. So how Charlie, is that improvement.
2: Pro football okay. focus. And pro. Wait, listen to me. Listen to me sure. for a moment. Okay. Because because now all of a sudden, yeah. because now all of a sudden, interceptions don't matter. Only fumbles matter, right? Um, number two. Right now
0: with
2: Jones? Yes. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah, because all turnovers aren't the same. Come on, give me a break. Right now this year, and, and, and you love to quote PFF, so I'm going to throw the numbers right back in your face here. OK? Turnover-worthy plays okay. this year. Daniel Jones, yeah. this is as tracked by PFF, has three. There are 15 quarterbacks with more. I'm going to list them for you. Derek Carr, Jared Goff, shut up. I'm going to list them. Dak Prescott, (laughs) Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Matt Ryan, Matt Jones, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Ben Roethlisberger, Zach Wilson. Trevor Lawrence. Those are some damn okay. good quarterbacks. Lamar lost two with fumbles in one game. More turnover worthy plays than Daniel Jones. So if you okay. don't think his turnover issues have gotten better, you are willfully lying to yourself. You can still say it can continue to improve? Fine. I have no do you, do you want him to lose that fumble on that final drive on the Fowler strip sack? No. You don't want him to do that. But is it improving? Yes. Is it perfect? <laughs> No, but to say that it's awful, by any metric, it is not. And it hasn't been for at least half a season. Now you can go. Okay, John, can I
0: say one more thing? Yes. I listened to the game because I can't see it up here because I never show it anymore. But I listened to Papa and Banks. Yes. Okay? And twice, Kyle Banks said that was an interception. He threw it in a dangerous place, and the guy dropped it. Twice in this game, twice he said that.
2: So the Falcons had dropped interceptions. Two. When did the Falcons have he dropped interceptions Fal- in this game?
0: Talk to Kyle. Talk to Kyle and ask him when. I, I I listened to him the whole game, and he and twice he said, "Man, that was a dangerous throw. That should have been an interception. The guy dropped the ball." So twice he said that look Joy, all,
2: all I it. can tell you is that I'm going by an unbiased thing that grades every quarterback the same way that's all I can do I'm okay. not sitting there watching well, every I, game and, and tracking every quarterback you know what I'm saying okay.
0: oh, I know I uh, what I'm trying to say is until he his main problem is fumbling that's his main problem and you guys keep saying he's correcting it and he's Play three games, and he's
1: fumbled three times. Oh, well, he How had the snap correct? issue in this last game, and that forced them to lose 11 yards. So that's a play you don't want to see happen, Charlie. I'm not disputing right. that. But, it, that but it's also down.
2: not a traditional fumble, though. Sure, it's not, sure, like it's not a, a traditional fumble. But those types of things oh, you can't afford God, to continue no, to happen. Of course. I know, yeah. but but him dropping shotgun snaps is not something we've seen so far in his no, career. No, of course not.
1: That hasn't been an ongoing trend.
2: No. Right. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. All I'm right. it's, it's a it's a different issue. All right. Look, if he if he,
0: you know, if he doesn't have any more fumbles for three or four games in a row, which he's never been able to do in his life since he started playing, I will be on board with you guys. But until I see that Let me find something here. you know
1: what? Until you see that, what's going to happen? I'm waiting for the, this. Is the best part of the show. What are you going to do until it happens? No,
4: I. Are oh, you not going to call into the show? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm
1: waiting I'm... for that to be the next no, statement. That you I make. I'm dying no, to man. hear those words, but no, you'll never fulfill never those words. happen.
0: So, man. of course,
1: it's never going to was... happen. So, see, see, this is what I throw back at you, Charlie. You're a man of big words. Okay, you make no. big statements. Hey, you don't I... back hey. up anything you ever oh, say. I'll
0: back it up, Lance. Okay. this is how I'll back it up. Yes, if they bench Daniel Jones, I will not call the show until they put him back
1: on the field. Yeah, but the reason why you're saying that is because you know that realistically will not happen. You know that realistically will happen.
0: I'm backing my words. I'm backing my words. No, that's chickening out.
1: I'm sorry. I'm not giving you brownie points No, no, it's not. No, No. it's
0: not. No. I'm just reversing what you want me to do, Lance. I'm not going to do what you want me to do. I'm I'm not asking you to do. I'm just, I I want you to show...
1: I want you to show some muscle for once. I want you to, that you know, muscle. lay down a if statement and support Jones, it. That's
0: all. I will not call the show. I guarantee it. I won't call the show if he's benched and he doesn't play. When he, if they put him back in the on the field, then I'll call the show again. All right, so that's what I got. Guys. Thank you very Thanks,
2: much. Just for the record, quarterbacks fumble the ball. All right, ten quarterbacks last year had nine or more fumbles. Daniel Jones had eleven. All right. Quarterbacks are going to fumble the ball. It's just a matter of the rate. You want to go further? Fourteen quarterbacks had eight fumbles or more. Again, Jones had eleven last year. If you look at the stats this year, Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Sam Darnold all have four. And then there are one, two, three, four, five quarterbacks with three. Um actually five players with three. Devin Singletary actually is three. He's the only running back here. And four other and four quarterbacks have three. So, guys, quarterbacks are gonna fumble. I mean, you go down a little further, do you want, do you want, do you want to hear the list of quarterbacks that have two fumbles each? How about Tom Brady, Josh Allen, Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, Ben Roethlisberger, Justin Herbert. Actually, Herbert is one. I'm sorry. But the bottom line here, Lance, is that quarterbacks are going to fumble. And again, that fumbled snap to me is a completely different story. I take that out of the fumbling issue because that's not a, you know, get hit, lose the ball scenario. Now, it shouldn't happen. It's a mistake, and he gets dinged for that, but it's not in the same bucket. So, It's not like he's out of the realm of the last two years of where a lot of these other quarterbacks are. Do you want the number to be zero? Yes. But is that a realistic number? It is not. That's all I'm saying.
1: And I don't disagree with you. Listen, turnovers is not the issue why the Giants are 0-3 this season. No, they're plus one. Yeah. So, you know, nobody can point to that. Whether it's Daniel Jones or somebody else, okay, the turnover ratio is not in a bad place. Now, I get the point of, but they were borderline plays and they could have gone the other way. But, John, that argument is the same thing as saying the Giants could be two and one. Okay? But they're not two and one. They're 0 and three. So we could sit here, we could do an entire show of coulda, woulda, shoulda, close plays, walking the fine line. We live in reality, though. And reality shows turnovers has not been a reason why the Giants are 0 and three. When turnovers is an issue, And it's consistently happening, and they are coughing the football up and it's changing field position. You know, then we have some facts to support that right now. The argument about close turnovers is not reality, so I I don't want to delve into a conversation that really is built upon a hypothetical. No, I agree with you. We're not there yet. No, we've been there in the past, but we're not there yet. No,
2: now maybe after they go play the Saints in New Orleans, it's a different conversation because they're a team that can get after the football a little bit, but for now. The one thing the Giants have done well this year is not turn the football over, which has been uh, certainly good. And of course, the fact that they haven't turned it over in 0-3 is a different conversation to have, which is probably not a great sign. But the bottom line is that that has not been the the bottom line issue so far this year.
1: By the Shh. way, real yes. quickly, I'm sorry. The, the other thing that I think, though, you could relate, though, to the whole turnover ratio is you want to see the Giants capitalize more on the three takeaways yep. they've had. Good point. That's well, been An issue. Pearson
2: wants to know if you found the weather in those three games.
1: No, we're still having my weather team in the corner. Okay you know, monitoring and looking back at the trends back in 2018 and 19. I have not had a conclusion. I'm sorry. It's going to be a tease for the next show. We'll get to the bottom. And,
2: and he's requesting yeah. not just temperature, also rainfall, wind gusts, and also barometer
1: reading. So would you like get- climate control issues too around that time of the year as well?
2: Well, yes, yes. Yeah. If, if it's indoors, you would like to know what the temperature, the air conditioner in the stadium is set
1: oh, to. Oh, okay. Well, I have contacts across the league, so that shouldn't <laughs> be hard to track down. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. My pleasure. Good job,
2: Lance. For Lance yes. Meadowhead, Pierce and Butler, I John Schmelk, Thank you, everybody, for being with us on this episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll see you on Wednesday. and Who's on tomorrow? Let's see. We got uh, Detino, and what's tomorrow? The 28th? 29th. Tomorrow's Datino and Fegels right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll talk to you then.